Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, everybody. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth, the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today on our show, I am so pleased to have Dr. Steve Perry. He's a renowned educator and who has specialized, has a unique specialty that I think we should all have this conversation. And it's kind of coincidental because just just a few minutes ago, uh, the Supreme Court of Michigan has just handed down a ruling for the Detroit students who, uh, who sued the government. They sued the state government for their right to an education. So I'm curious to know what Dr. Perry thinks, and I'm inviting all of you to this conversation. I think it's a conversation we need to have, especially in light of what we're seeing with the potential violence against Blacks in America. I think we need to speak up. And so uh, one of the things we are doing here at Down to Earth is having more folks on who have a space and have a voice. We need to bring these voices forward and we have to speak up. We can't sit silent. We can't stay silent. We gotta speak up, right? Right, so while we are in the midst of George Floyd and all the protests and whether the uh, military installations should rename their Confederate names. I can't believe that. Like, I can't believe it. I don't know about you guys, but I simply can't believe that a lot of these military installations, <laughs> their names came from Confederate generals. God help us all. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, these are the monuments to the very movement that enslaved us. And 400 years later, here we are, still fighting violence, and you mean to tell me you have to think about renaming these things? Man. So anyway, anyway, I want to welcome to our show this evening a gentleman with whom I've just made an acquaintance. And I, I had to, it's one of those things where you read about people, and you read about them, and you feel, you feel reverenced by their presence. I feel as if this is a gentleman whom most of America has probably been introduced to, but I think we need to know him better. I think he has a story to tell, and he has done tremendous work in the northeast section of the country, in, in Connecticut, and now in New York. But I think his voice in education, he has become an advocate for disadvantaged children and children who don't have a voice. I kind of resonate with him just a little bit because I'm, I could have been one of those children, right? In fact, all of us could have been because of historic and systemic racism. So I feel that having Dr. Perry on to share with us his views on education, is education a right or is it a privilege in America? So without further ado, I want to welcome to Down to Earth, renowned educator and speaker. He's also an education contributor for CNN and MSNBC, Dr. Steve Perry. Hey, Doc. Hey, sis. How are you? I am well, and you? Having a time of my life. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. I like a man who can say that forcibly and say that he's having the time of his life. That's good. 
well, what other option do I have? This is the only life and the only time I have, so I better put them together and have the time of my life. Uh, ain't no sense to sit around here worrying about what I don't have. I need to focus on what I do have, which is I'm on the right side of the dirt for the time being. Wow. That's an interesting supposition. I don't know. Yesterday, I think we all were a little bit uh, taken aback because I don't know about anybody else, but as a mother, yesterday in watching uh, in watching Dr., uh, watching uh, George Floyd's homegoing in Houston, and I think it, it did something to me at the end because I recognized that he was crying out for his mama, and there he was. He was entombed right beside her. And it, 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 it's a sad end to all of that. And I, I thought, I don't know, I kind of felt like today people would be marching more and would, be, would have been more angry because now he's gone. You know what I mean? No, he's finally gone. A life is gone for no reason. Just one of the many. I, I saw somebody put up on my Instagram feed today that there are at least 100 they're keeping a record. There are now 100 blacks, 100 black people who have been killed by police violence in recent times. So I get it. But, Doc, I wanted to ask you this question, right? Um, do you think education, from what you have seen with your work in uh, Connecticut, you started out in Hartford, and I read the story about you wanting to name your first school after a black woman who for 30 years had advocated for uh, education in Hearsttown. And, to, you know, when you look at those kinds of experiences, do you think that education is a right or is it a privilege in America? Well, the obvious is that it's a right, but the obvious is also that it's a privilege. Because if it was an exercise right, then it wouldn't be such a privilege enjoyed by such a few. The fact is that the American public school system is the most racist of all of the institutions in our country, period. It's the most racist because if you take the term innocent victim, there is no more innocent victim than a child. Mm-hmm. And the system is, was, and remains designed to make sure that black and Latino children and then poor kids in that order uh-huh. Never gain access to a quality education. And we allow middle class, largely white female teachers to tug at our heartstrings about how hard it is to do the job and how hard it is for them to do it. My racism on the outside, but the real racism that is having the greatest impact on our children is the racism by teachers principals, guidance counselors. It's that racism that is the greatest racism that we face. We're sitting here having a conversation about uh, police unions and how they protect racist cops. There is no organization that protects racism writ large with greater consistency than the American Federation of Teachers and the National Education Association, the two largest teachers unions and two of the largest contributors to all political campaigns in the United States of America in history. They protect the status quo to make sure middle class, largely white, female teachers keep their jobs no matter what so that they can continue to draw down their dues from their salaries, period. 
I, you know what, I kind of agree with you on that. That is a fact. As you have stated, that is a fact that they are, that is systemic racism. And I think uh, VP Biden said it best yesterday when they interviewed him on CNN. He said, we need to look at systemic racism in America and address it. He's, and he did address racism in education. I am glad that they But he doesn't mean that, though. But he doesn't oh, my mean God. That. He doesn't mean that. Mean okay. It. Oh, God, no, he doesn't mean it. What he means is he wants somebody to sprinkle, sprinkle pixie dust and stop cops from being racist. What he wants people to do is to sprinkle um, tens of billions of dollars back into failed school systems and hope that people change. But you cannot, you know, you, you start to talk about the ruling in um, Detroit. Uh-huh. And the truth is that it is unconscionable that anyone would give the Detroit public schools another penny. To do huh. anything. Huh. For what? Why? But, but let me ask change? why. That's a good question. Why? Because what they also did around here was the former governor, the Republican governor who exited two years ago, thank the Lord, uh, he started something called charter schools. What we, we know that the history of charter schools are that they're very low-performing schools. Children do not, not graduate with the readiness for college. Not true at all. That's absolutely well, here, not in, That's, here in Michigan, that no, is no, no, no. In Michigan, some of your top performing schools are charter schools. Uh, in That's Michigan, no, in, in Michigan. Michigan State, in Michigan, the state, some mm-hmm. of your top performing schools are charter schools. In Michigan, not around Detroit, not the not the ones in Detroit. I can tell you that not um, the ones in Detroit. There's a group called well, Cornerstone Schools here in Detroit. They have a, a, a 12th grade who just graduated, uh, uh, 12th grade uh, seniors who just graduated. Not one of them is going to college. Not one. None of them are prepped and ready for college. And to me, for me, if, you know, if, if you're not getting students ready for college, then why, why do you exist? But so and, I stay there. Uh, so then why, did, why would we have, then why would we have under any circumstances any. Because what we found no, in no, Michigan no, is that those schools are owned by the DeVos family. So what no, Snyder they're did. They're not owned. No, they're not owned. They're not owned. They get, well, not owned. Okay. They, they were supported. Let's say they're not owned, but they're an agency. They're, they formed an education commission, the former governor, Engler, years ago. And what they did was create an economic opportunity for other people to get paid by the state government to say they are providing educational services to children. In fact, the buildings are rotted. They, the survey, they don't follow the Michigan curriculum, but somehow they pass the children just so they can continue to get funding. So, you know, again, you, we, you're on the right track when you say that what you really are saying, and I want you to put it into words, is that white Americans, white politicians, white policymakers are not interested in educating black children. Simply put, that's it. That's it. Well, so the truth is that most of the people who are in education, in charge of education, are white. There's a fact there. But the fact is, if we're going to talk just about Detroit for a minute and, and some of the other Grand Rapids and others, there's a good size percentage of us. And the, the bigger point is anybody who's making money off of the schools 
system status quo because you only have um, <clears throat> excuse me the, the majority of the kids in Michigan still go to traditional public high schools right and and those schools especially in um, poor districts are the lowest performing right and so until right. such time as we mm. allow children to go to the best schools for them give universal mm. school choice hmm. that we will that's the only way we're going to get out of this how would we do that, Dr. Perry? How do you see that becoming a, a fruition and an alternative? How does that happen? Well, the only way it happens is if we allow children to go to schools. And what we need to see, for instance, as charter schools, I'm a person who runs charter schools, mm-hmm. is that there's an opportunity for us as black people to run our own schools. Hello. And so why would we want to continue to send our children to failed school systems? Hello. Say it loud. Except for to keep keep people in the suburbs employed. Hmm. Say it one more time. But I find it true. But how do we get black folks to be so engaged in the process that they see themselves as the solution to this? How can we do that? Well, I think that we have to create avenues, whether it be voucher programs or mm-hmm. others, because people will make the decisions that they need to make for their children. They may not right. come to a, a rally or they may not come to a, um, a, a, a any demonstration, but they will make sure that they get their kid on a bus to go to the school that they think is the best school for them. So are you saying that uh, maybe we go back to the era of busing students again, uh, getting them? I think it's even more. I think it's even more sophisticated than that. It's not just about sending a group of kids to a white school. It's about allowing a parent to decide the best school for her, and allowing educators of all cultures, specifically in our case, Black and Latino uh, educators, to create our own schools, sometimes within the same community. So it doesn't have to be that you. Um, that you, uh, excuse me, that you look at a, um, excuse me, that, that it doesn't have to be that you create a, a time where the kid goes to a white school. You can create a black oh. school within, within the same school system. You know, if, if you look at, for instance, in, in Michigan, of the top 110 schools, hmm. not one, not one of them is a, a, a traditional Detroit public school. Not one. So really? why would we keep sending? Oh, you mean in terms of uh, elementary grades, uh, K no, to eight? In top performing schools. If you go to if you go to U.S. News and World Report, top performing no, high schools. No, uh, Renaissance school. High School is I think is the number. Renaissance is number forty six. Renaissance mm-hmm. is number forty six. But Renaissance is it a neighborhood school or is it a magnet school? No, it's a neighborhood school. Okay, is it a poor neighborhood? No, it's not a neighborhood school because it does take students right. from all over. It's a magnet. Yeah, you're right. So it's Renaissance, a magnet. Renaissance is Renaissance is number forty six out of, and so it's a magnet school. So I say yeah. again, there's not one single, not one, not Jesus. one, not one school that's a neighborhood school of any type. Jesus. In the top. 150 from Detroit. 
in Michigan is at Detroit Public School. Jesus, take the wheel, Lord. But don't you think, uh, Dr. Perry, that some of this has to do with structural racism in terms of budget cuts that have perhaps uh, detracted from the central core of education? There's structural racism, but it's not the budget. Because if it were the budget, then we would send kids to prison because that's where you spend the most money on them. (laughs) It's because they're regular old people, young and old, who are in – working as teachers who are the ones who are not teaching our children at the same level as other children. And they don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that. But, but then explain why they say, well, they Uh come in with so many, they come in with less words than other kids. So teach your words. I mean, that's what you're doing all day. What else are you doing? You know something, I'm going to tell you something that happened. I I agree with you because I had an encounter a few years ago with a school system that has since been shuttered in Michigan, uh, the Inkster Public Schools. And it was brought to my attention that they were not teaching students. And I went to investigate myself. And when I did, I I met the principal and I found out that the, the, the teachers who were just regular, regular uh, black teachers were not teaching black students and they were not following the curriculum as set out by the Michigan Department of Education. And when I brought it to the principal's attention, uh, they seemed to have been more concerned about, like you said, getting a paycheck, getting home and living their lives. And they did not think that these students even deserved an education, which was shocking. But how uh, I noticed too that in your It makes me wonder if your model of education is perhaps not something we should follow here in Michigan. What what we do, and I appreciate you saying that. What we do is what any schools that work to be successful are doing, Um, and and that is that we uh, put in place a rigorous academic experience. um, And a lot of what we're doing is trying to right the wrongs of the failed school system. So we end up taking the hit initially uh-huh. when we take children in because they're so far behind. Uh-huh. And it is our responsibility to, to, to move them forward. Uh-huh. And, and that is not an easy task, but it does require that you have to go to school longer and you have to have people yeah. who are better at teaching. Wow. So that is the model. I've I, I seen one of your schools, uh, the, 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 shall we say, the landmark one, the one in Hartford, that you have a 100% college acceptance rate. That is remarkable. Yeah, so thank you. Uh, so that's for all of our schools. Uh, we have a, a high school in Bridgeport, Connecticut, in fifth year and every single year since it opened, even though we started with seniors in the first year, every year we've sent every kid who's graduated on a four-year college every single year. That is amazing. I wish the same could be said of some of the school districts here, especially the one I told you about, Cornerstone. I know I'm going to get some flack for it, but when you look at it, the the question comes down to in the world that we live in in America today, uh, children need to be given every advantage that they should have, especially black and brown kids who uh, are economically disadvantaged most of the time and for whom opportunities are rare. We should really try to focus on that. But before you go, Dr. Perry, I know you have to go. Uh, I wanted to uh, bring, uh, ask you to bring something to your attention. You said to best educate a child, you must first treat them like family. Can I just ask what drives you to that? I mean, how did, you get, how did education become such a focus for you? 
it's, it is our only hope. I mean, you could look at all the other avenues out, but none of them get you out of the doldrums of our circumstances. Until you mm-hmm. understand how the system operates and until you can manipulate it to your, bend it to your needs, mm-hmm. you, you will not, uh, you will be overcome by it. And for me, I want to make sure that our children have access to a quality education because they deserve it. They absolutely deserve it. I couldn't have agreed with you more. I couldn't, I find that I couldn't agree with you more, especially as I look around and and see what happens with young people. Part of what I do is I work in human trafficking and uh, a lot of the, I specialize in a particular demographic. It's women, adult women who were trafficked as children and for whom they arrive at a certain stage in life and they're homeless and what we found was that the victimization of their circumstances contributed to their victimhood and the traumas associated with it. But you know what was shocking to me? It had never occurred to me that the fact that they were taken as children meant that their education was interrupted. And it was shocking to discover that invariably they never even finished fifth grade. Some of them never even entered elementary school and they could barely read. And this was across the board. This was not just black and brown children who become women. These these were whites. We had girls from right across the spectrum. So uh, it made me start to rethink. You know, it forced me to to rethink what are we looking at. Um, Here in Detroit, for instance, there are a lot of adult education centers. and, And I don't even want to get started on the prison pipeline thing because that's a whole other conversation for a whole other day. But where do you see, if I were to ask you this question, we might have a new president in at the end of this year. We might not. I don't know which way the wind is going to blow. But where do you see education going? Is it is it likely that we're going to have people who will listen to what us in the black and brown community have to say? No, not yet, because we haven't not said yet. it forcefully enough. It's because the teachers union is speaking on our behalf. They are not speaking for them. I mean, for us, they're speaking for themselves. And so so, so so should we start our own union? Should we start our own of black um, teachers? Yeah, we should. Yeah. Well, of of black, of people who focus on black education. Yeah, we absolutely should. In fact, I've started one. It's called the Freedom Coalition. And that's one of the things that we're doing. Okay, so you need to yeah. take that national, dude. Take it, take it to Detroit. Is, you could get a lot of support over here. Well, that that's what we're working on. That's definitely what we're working on. But since Absolutely. I really appreciate the opportunity, to, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. It was a joy, and I hope you guys get over that extreme weather that you're having out there. <laughs> we will, Doctor Perry. Thank you so much for uh, enlightening us just a little bit this evening. I trust you'll be well. Be well. All right. Take care. Bye. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.